0: shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Bezras Hashem, we're continuing with our series of Shirim on the Inner World of Calmness. And today we're going to pick up with where we left off last week. Last week we spoke about how to be human is to need to travel, to need to move from place to place for the sake of uncovering more or doing more. And this notion of traveling, this reality that the human being must pick themselves up from a place that they are at right now in order to move to another place in the hopes of finding something else there, or in the hopes of accomplishing something else in the other place that couldn't be accomplished in the first place, we encounter the dual nature of what it means to be human. Because on the one hand, as Rabbi Nachman said, the need for movement is the opportunity to uncover more emuna. the back and forth that one goes through in their own home, the back and forth that one goes through throughout their days, practically, internally, externally, the walking we do in our mind or the walking we do in reality. But on the same point, the walking is a simen of a pagaman emuna. walking, the need to travel, the need to go from place to place in hopes of finding more beyond where I'm at right now, is a sign of a chisaron, it's a lack of manucha, because in truth, if I was capable of truly uncovering what was present in each and every moment, I wouldn't have to travel anywhere. And we spoke about how ultimately, like anything else in the world of manucha and the need to cultivate manucha from its apparent opposite, it's not by getting rid of the need to walk or getting rid of the need to travel that we're going to find the comfort of what it means to be a human being, but rather it's in embracing the reality of needing to travel. We're mahalchim. that's what it means. We walk, we move one leg to the other. We separate what appears to be one-leggedness of the malachim. We sever that unity. We encounter duality of one leg, one leg, one leg, one leg, ultimately to bring about the truest growth of what a human being is capable of doing. So instead of running away from the need to walk and just sitting idly by, we uncover the secret of strolling, which is drawing down the light of not needing to move anywhere into the moving somewhere, where I'm aware that I'm walking. Yes, I'm walking, but it's not out of a sense of urgency. I'm not running anywhere, nor am I running away from anything. Rather, I'm walking with a sense that wherever I walk is where HaKadosh Baruch is going to be with me. In the lens of what Rabbi Nachman teaches us, He Earth the is the destination of all things. And when we say that every place that I walk, I'm encountering the destination is the secret that the destination is uncovered within the walking itself. And we spoke about the secret of strolling, Metayalahem Beganedan. Because unlike Adam HaRishon, prior to the Chait, where we were placed, where we didn't have to arrive at where we found ourselves, but rather we simply found ourselves there prior to needing to arrive, there rests within the mind of the individual a secret place where we truly do feel absolute menucha. We're aware that we don't have to go anywhere. And that light of walking, that light of strolling, we said, is uncovered on Shabbos, in the secret of and by Psiya that a person during the week takes long leaps because we're stuck in a sense of urgency, of needing to collapse time, of needing to truncate the distance between point A and point B and as quick as we can overcome that distance, the better because we don't want to be held down or bogged down by the all-too-human reality of the need for duration and space. But when I learned to be placed by I learned to take each and every step slowly, mindfully, consciously with the awareness that anywhere that I'm walking, I am arriving in Eretz That it's not about where I'm trying to walk towards, but it's the act of walking itself that makes me human, and that allows me to fight for the secret of manucha, for the calmness of my legs and the heart of moving my legs, like David Melech. David Melech was able to have his legs dangling into hell. David Melech was able to have his legs scorched by death. He was able to have his legs dangling into worlds of separation, but nevertheless, he was able to walk slowly. Yes, he chose to walk along the banks of where hell and heaven unified because it was specifically in that loss of calmness that Davan and Malka Mashiach wanted to find calmness, which is the tendency of all of us to find calmness in a world that appears to take the opportunity away from us. And the goal is to learn how to stroll, to walk calmly and slowly. But we spoke about the light of Shabbos. We spoke about, like anything else, how Shabbos is a microdose, so to speak, of the calmness that is reserved for the future. But... We don't always live in Shabbos. And while the goal is going to be to cultivate a Shabbos consciousness, to allow Shabbos to become something that is not far greater than a notion in time, because ultimately Shabbos is the secret of time itself. It's the birthplace of time, it's the emergence of time. But to also cultivate, in addition to the time, the moment of Shabbos itself, to develop and cultivate a moichen of Shabbos, a mindset of Shabbos. And while Shabbos itself is dependent upon time, The mindset of Shabbos is not so dependent upon time. And already we see that when cultivating the mindset of Shabbos, we already begin to realize that the timed bound nature of Shabbos is not as thick as we thought it was. Meaning to say that when we come to uncover the place in the mind of Shabbos, we also come to realize that, yes, Shabbos is Shabbos, but also Sunday is Yom Rishon Shabbos Shabbos and Yom Sheni is Yom Sheni Shabbos Shabbos. And then in truth, it's Shabbos until Tuesday night. And then already on Wednesday, I start saying Luchun Aranana, preparing for the next Shabbos. And that if I'm lost in the desert of my life without knowing whether I'm at the end of the beginning or the beginning of the end. I can choose when to start Shabbos. These these hints, these kinks in the armor of time, that allow us to to encounter that 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 shine of the true power of Shabbos, which is that it's always Shabbos and Menucha is ever present. But because we're not at that place yet, we're not at that place of Shabbos being a mindset of Menucha that one can access at any given time. We have to continue to encounter what it means to live in the whole what it means to live in the worlds of separation of the whole, what it means to fall away from the rarefied and clarified worlds of conscious calmness that a person can encounter and create their circumstances and their framework of experience within their mind, but rather to find ourselves carried away by the, the real thick nature and the teva of this worldly experience in its mundane form, the whole of it, in the six days of the week in the opposite of Shabbos. Because while Shabbos is the mindset that we're trying to cultivate, we're trying to cultivate what it means to stroll, to take a deep breath of Shabbos, to have a af, to be mantik the haron af, to negate the anger at its source, that moment of losing of the mind, to pull the mind back with patience, calmly, and collecting oneself, realizing that I am not a victim to myself, but I am in charge. That Shabbos mindset is very often absent from us, and we find ourselves in the Elif Yoim and hole, in the 1,000 days of mundanity, in the 1,000 days of death-bringing speech, of boredom, of spiritual apathy, of not feeling the illumination, of not having Shemayim open in front of me. I'm not living with the mindset of Atzilus, where all of the things that I encounter in my life, as well as the experiences, are illuminated with the intensity and value of what I cherish most. In the worlds of separation, in the worlds of Bria, Yetzirah, and asiya in the world of the three different ways that I can conceive of reality from a perspective of separation where I no longer find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in clarified presence in my life. When I fall away from the Atsilas mindset where everything I encounter in the world is HaKadosh Baruch at Shabbos, even my walking is Menucha. When I fall into the worlds of separation in my mind, the world of Bria, which is a place of contemplation where I can get caught up with all of the myriad details of reality and lose sight of the singular center point that holds all things together. I can grow to too accustomed to the darkness. I can grow too accustomed to what it means to contemplate the severity of things devoid of the animating light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And in that place, a person experiences the whole nature of existence in the mind. In the world of Yitziro, which is the second world of the whole, of the Bia, of the whole, of those worlds of what it means to be in mundanity and the mindset of mundanity that is away from the Manuch of Shabbos. The world of Yetzirah is my emotions. When my emotions are untethered to the, the centermost point of the mind or the innermost point of the heart that maintains a close contact and silent control over the framework in which emotions are expressed, then emotions begin to rumble forward without being held down to their source. And they extend and they extend and they extend and they become images and feelings that don't really bear any mark on reality, but are fundamental to our experience because we feel them and we get caught up in them and we lose sight of where these feelings come from. And we spend too much time trying to understand the origin of the feeling rather than learning how to contemplate the feeling. But that's the world of Yitzira in the the worlds of Chol, of, of losing sight of that connectivity. And then in the world of Asiya, in the world of actual engagement, So that's where the distinction between Shabbos and Chol is going to be most felt, both in the mind, the heart, and the experience, which is the the world of productivity, which is the world of actual physical labor, of engaging in laborious acts for the sake of creating something, for the sake of building something, for the sake of bringing something more that wasn't present before. So while Shabbos offers us the ability to walk slowly and Shabbos is always the antidote, whether it be the microdosings of Shabbos that we have throughout the week or the uncovering of the fact that the week really just rests upon the invisibility of Shabbos or Shabbos itself. Whichever way we look at Shabbos, ultimately that's where the manucha mindset is going to come from. But in order to appreciate the manucha mindset, in order to appreciate what it means to live in that mindset of the suspension of what it means to be human and to live in that secret place of ganedan in the mind, to eat from the Etzachayim, we also have to understand very clearly and very well and give language to our own most experiences in the worlds of Chol, in the worlds of mundanity. And what is it that marks the worlds of whole? What is it that is the fundamental definition to one degree or another of what the mundane week is, of what Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday are? That they're the work week, there's a laborious element to it, there's a need for labor, there's a need for productivity, there's a need of putting in my energy and my efforts for the sake of developing a product, whether it be a mental product, an emotional product, or a physical product, and the investiture of my energy is for the sake of creating something that is not present right now. This is the birthplace of the labor mindset. This is the birthplace which is rooted fundamentally and constitutively in the very same conditions that create the notion of capitalism, which is that in order to be satisfied, I have to partake of a particular object. There's a specific object that is there to fill the void that I'm feeling in this moment. If there's an internal problem, then there's an external solution. If there's a deficiency, then there's something that will fulfill that deficiency. That's the two-step dance of the advertisement process of creating the notion in a person's mind that what I I need in order to fill that missing piece is outside of me. And if I purchase it, if I devour it, if I crave it enough, then I will be satisfied. So that process, that object orientation towards seeking out comfort outside of myself, based on the assumption that I don't have what I need internally, is a byproduct of this notion of labor, which tells the individual that I am only valuable through the value of my production, that my production value is what makes me a significant creature. And what is production? What is the need for labor rooted in? Ultimately, as we're going to see, this is the greatest punishment. This is the consequence. This is the framing of reality of what it means to be a human being is the need to engage in labor, is the need to be engaged in a process of the exertion of strength for the sake of creating something that is not present right now. But to go back to this idea in the context of manucha, we've already explained multiple times and we'll continue to explain that manucha is when something is capable of resting assuredly in its source without this urgency of moving away from its source in order to become what it is meant to be. Very often growth is motivated by a deep sense of deficiency at the core. And when growth is oriented by a deficiency at the core or a not enoughness or a lack of okayness at the baseline of my self-acceptance, then every activity that I'm going to be engaged in is the opposite of manuha. It's tenua. it's a movement, it's a nituk, it's a separation of myself from where I am, where all of my kochos and potentials are potential within me without being actualized or needing to be actualized. And tenua and movement and labor of any kind, mental, emotional, or physical, and all of them are always present in each ounce of labor, is a removal of myself from myself for the sake of expressing myself or projecting myself outwards, so as to conquer more ground. to to find that missing piece that will satisfy me, to build the thing that I need to build, to have this entity, this object, this concept, this idea that I am peddling forth in order to vindicate the sense of deficiency that rests at the core of the self. That is the drive towards labor, the need to build, to do, to accomplish, but that's driven out of an urgency of that if I don't accomplish, if I don't build, if I don't do, then I am not good enough. And that is the nature of the beginning of alienation of the person from themselves. Alienation is something that is fundamentally inherently connected to the nature of labor because ultimately all labor itself is alienation from the core of the self. The core of the self is capable, like we've said, on a mindful level and an emotional level to find within itself enough to be okay, to be okay with who I am, to be okay with how I am when I align myself with my best sense of self, when I try my hardest to alleviate whatever preventions block the path of me arriving at whatever spiritual or psychological point that I would like to arrive at, I can trust my intuition. I can trust the nishmat shaddai name, the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu speaks through the mind and the emotions of the individual. And that I can have a basic assumption that I have my best interest, unless obviously it's still in a territory where there are behaviors that need to be changed. These mindsets, these positionings towards finding calmness are not meant to be applied when there is some practical activity that a person can do that needs to be done, which is preventing the well-being of themselves. To apply these comforting elements and these therapeutic models from Panemia Satora to a position where a person actually should be doing something or needing to be doing something beyond the way of thinking is to misuse them and misappropriate them because the mind is not enough when it comes to needing to engage in activity. But when I have cleaned house, and when my life is operating within the Nakuda of bechira, and today I can say that I have done my best to continue to take the next best step, the next right move, and what's always only revealed to us is the next step in Avodah Hashem. But when I can honestly say to the best of my ability with the awareness of the deficiencies that rest in the heart of man and all of the conditionality that has given birth to who we function as, so if I can say that I'm doing what I need to to operate at my innermost point, this is when these mindsets are fundamental. Because the opposite of this laborious notion of I need to produce in order to fulfill some preexistent deficiency in myself and that without my production, without my activity, without my labor, without my effort, without my investiture of self for some furthering of myself through some secondary object, that the motivating factor in a holy sense is going to be that I'm enough and I want to be more. I'm enough and I want to be more. I am enough. My potential form, what I have internally, at my shayresh, I have enough. Mentally, psychologically, spiritually, on a ruchniyastika level, I have what I need. I don't have to go out searching for more and more. I need to learn how to uncover what is already within me. And from that place of enoughness, from that place of Seity, of an element of satisfaction that, again, takes into consideration the fact that the human being can never truly be satisfied. We know this already. Elama, our satisfaction comes about when we accept the irreducible kernel of dissatisfaction, when we learn to include that kernel of dissatisfaction within the experience of satisfaction, so then we can live as if we're satisfied. That's the satisfaction we're talking about. So when a person operates from a place of satisfaction, there's a birth, there's a rumbling towards more that is not built on an urgency to fulfill some deficiency. It's not built on an Ava, Shetali It's not built on some contingent love or attachment to something based on my production value. It is a surplus value. It is something that emerges out of something that is already filled. It's supplemental to the fullness that I already feel. Each and every moment, I'm enough and I want to become more. Why do I want to become more? Not because I'm not enough, because I can never be enough. It's not motivated by the ego lack or the ego deficiency, the drive towards becoming more than what one is in each and every moment is rooted in the infinite expanses through which HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveals himself. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so big, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so unlimited, and the spiritual ladder of our experiences are so infinite and relativized in their process as Rabbi Rosh Rashash has taught us that each level is a new world and that no matter how high along the rungs I have climbed, I still need to grow more not because of some inherent deficiency, but because of the impossibility of ever grasping the essence and the infinite expansivity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's unlimited nature. As a human being, I will always, always, always be uncovering the step next to the step that I've just accomplished. That when I complete something, there's something new to be completed. Gamartive egmor. I've arrived at the destination and I want to go even further. Not because the destination is not enough. I'm not looking for enough anymore. There's no situation in life that's going to provide a full experience of, wow, this is mamish enough. It's going to be a choice that a person makes to live with this situation as if it's enough. And when I accept that, and I still maintain the desire to grow more because I want to be masig more, and that every level that I come to of menucha, I come to realize that there are infinite gradations of menucha above me, the productivity is now rooted in a sense of strength, a sense of saturation, a sense of enoughness. It's not some deficient thing which gives me an anxious urgency that says if I don't accomplish, I'm worthless, and that I'm only valuable if I produce something valuable, God forbid. But rather, I know I'm enough, I know I'm valuable, irrespective of what my production value is. But nevertheless, that baseline of self-acceptance motivates me to want to do more and more, to reveal more for myself and for our Kaddish Baruch Hu. And we're going to see that the nature of labor, the need towards labor, is a byproduct of the Chetavadam HaRishon. But in truth, it's something further rooted in history, in reality. Which again shows us that these conditions that we live in, these mindsets, these traps of the human condition that we live in, the mebesari echazev of it all, the encountering God from the human condition of it all, what chasidus, what penimius hatorah is coming to give us insight into, that we come to see that this thing that we see is so terrible. This thing that we see is so symptomatic to the discomfort and the lack of faith or the the disquietude that we encounter at the heart of ourselves and the inability to find that nakudatova and the inability to rest assuredly upon the faith that we have faith in in spite of the fact that we don't know from whence it comes. That so much of it is built upon this faulty notion that these things are symptoms, some unfortunate symptom of what it means to be a human being that needs to at best be dealt with. If labor, if the need for labor was born out of the human condition, out of the chet marishon of B'zea Sapecha so fine, so then we would be able to say, this is a bad thing that needs to be undone. But the truth of the matter is that the story of labor, the story of effort, the story of the need to put in effort for something, emerges far earlier than the creation of the human being, and it's what we find in the third day of creation. That on the third day of creation, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates the trees, and He creates the growth, the desha, on the third day, which contains the key tov of the second day, because the second day, like we said, the splitting of the upper water and the lower waters and the self is the birthplace of the divergence away from that oceanic sense of unity. And it gives birth to the need to now unify some apparent or some sensed distinction or distortion. So on the third day, Akadash Baruch, who said to the land that the, the growth should take place, Acev Mazri Azera, pre osapri, a fruit tree that made fruits. Eitz Pri ospri is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted the ground to create. What the ground was meant to give birth to was a fruit tree that gave fruits. dash <clears throat> the next Pasuk says, and when describing the trees that come out, the Pri Asher Zaru So now it no longer says eitz Pri Pri. It doesn't say a fruit tree that provides fruits, but rather it says a tree that provides fruits. And so there's distinction between the way that Hashem wanted the trees to be created, and the way that the ground actually manifested, the way that Teva actually manifested those trees. And Chazal point out that in the beginning, the desire of HaKadosh Baruch Hu was that the tree itself should be a fruit tree, and fruits should come from the fruit tree, which means that the bark of the tree was meant to maintain the same taste as the fruit of the tree. That the bark itself, the tree itself, with or without the growth that came from it, was meant to contain within itself the kernel of its possible fruit. That the taste of the fruit was already inherent within a potential form, in an actualized form of potential, in spite of the fact that it was different than the potential actualization of the actual fruit. So the tree itself was meant to have actualized potential. Tamha eights. there was meant to be a Tam in the etz, and the eights. And the tamha Pri was the potential that is actually actualized. Hashem wanted the tree and the fruit to be part and parcel of the same potency. But what happens as a result of the cheta aretz, as the digression or transgression of the land, the natural deficiency that rests at the heart of human beings as a result of being separate from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as well as the very deficiency that rests at the fabric of existence by dint of the fact that it is apparently separate from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So both man and world, both ontology and psychology are both working within this irreducible kernel of the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made it so that it would be imperfect. It's not a deviation. It's not a symptom. It's meant to be this way. And so as a result of this transgression, for whatever reason, the trees that come forth from the ground are trees that bear fruit. They're trees that bear offerings of product. They're trees that offer objects of grasp and measurement. But ultimately, the bark of the tree is missing its essential time. It's not a fruit tree that makes fruits. It's a tree that makes fruits, meaning to say that the actualization of potential, the taste within the bark itself is gone. And all that's valuable is the actualized potential, which is the fruit that emerges. And so already here we see, as Rav Kook and Rav Hutner and all of the Tzaddikim point out, there was a model of what it meant to be in reality. The ideal state of things was that the tree and the fruit of the tree should both contain the same essential quality. That is what Cook describes, the bark of the tree represents the process that one goes through in life, prior to production, prior to expression, prior to some identifiable thing that I've accomplished to make myself feel good about myself, or to make myself feel valuable but rather even prior to actualization the tree was meant to contain the essence of the goal. The goal and the path were seen and revealed to be part and parcel of the same thing. Hashem was everywhere revealed. Ah, there was still a process and a goal, but the process was not devoid of the illumination of the goal, nor was the goal devoid of the effort of the process, but rather there was a unified, impossible, paradoxical reality of effort and calmness that existed in one that the path and the goal both illuminated each other. Yismach lev Hashem, that the bikush itself, the searching itself, was endowed with as potent a spiritual experience as the arrival itself. And this was true in all things, that the process and the goal, the effort and the result were seen as ideals that needed to express themselves in two different ways, but nevertheless revealing a singular ideal. But as a result of the transgression of the land, there's a deviation now between the process and the goal. The goal is the goal. The fruit is the fruit. The fruit will always taste like the fruit in order for an individual to yearn after the fruit and all of its tam reach and and all of the different qualities of what we yearn after, both positive and God forbid negative. But what was lost as a result of the transgression of the land was that the bark itself no longer bared the taste of the fruit. The effort itself was now devoid. It had lost the luminescence of the light of the goal. I no longer felt that everywhere I walked, I was walking to Eretz There was walking and then arriving at Eretz There was the effort, the labor, the investiture of effort and the struggle and the alienation of self from itself. And then there was the gift, the offering of the, the fruits of my labor. There was a division set between potential manucha, where everything was as it was without need to express itself, and the fruit, which was the need for expression and the need for actualization. So what is born into the very fabric of reality, what is born into the very fabric of the trees themselves that emerge out of the world, that emerge out of this world and all of the plants and all of the vegetation, which includes Ge'anam and Gan all of the different trees, the Itzachayim, the Itzadas, all of the Ha'adam Etzah Sadeh, the secret of Tu bishat, the secret of learning what it means to be a person who's reflective of a tree or a tree that's reflective of a person, which are ultimately both rooted in a desire for hope and growth and the cultivation of self beyond preventions and beyond all of the extremes that seem to push back against possible growth. So this encounter of Yom Shlishi informs the very basis of reality to the degree that it pushes along the Chetav Ademarishon. That the Chetav Ademarishon is when this quality of the sin of the ground, this division between effort and arrival, this division between the need to toil and to remove myself from myself every time that I invest myself in something, every hammer blow is a removal from myself, every step is a removal from myself, every breath seems to be a removal from myself, reminding me that I'm not enough, Prior to this division, every step was endowed, every step was endowed and infused with the recognition that I am enough and I want to take another step. I am enough and I want to allow the hammer to hit the stone again so that it can build something beautiful. That building and productivity were not rooted in a state of deficiency or privation, but rather they were They were The goal of labor was to la'avdu l'shamra, to reveal more and more of a Kaddish Baruch and so as a result of this sin, as a result of this transgression of the ground, we find what happens later on with Adam and Chava. That Adam and Chava partake of that Eitz HaDas They partake of the product, the byproduct of this transgression of the land. And we see that as a result of this encounter, human experience is now defined by one particular thing. Human experience is now going to be defined by the need for toil, by the need for effort, by the need for labor, as the Meforshim point, point out, the Kliyakar points out and the, and the Orachayim points out, is the opposite of manucha. What happens in this place, what happens as a result of the chait of Adam Harishon and the punishment that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives to the individual, to Adam and Chava, is falling away from Menucha, is losing manucha, is now being born into a place of Yagiya and toil. That as a result of eating from the Yetzadas, As a result of partaking from that place, Hashem first and foremost punishes Chava, punishes the snake. And He says to Adam Arishon, He says, the ground will be cursed as a result of your behavior. And it's with sadness and effort and despondency that you are going to eat your food, produce your food throughout your life. And when you're going to plant, you're going to harvest uh, thorns and thistles that are going to grow out of the land. And you're going to partake of the food of the field. And it's through the sweat of your brow that you're going to engage in eating to the degree, to the point that you finally return to the ground and the dust of the ground from whence you come. This is the final stamp of what it means to be a human being on the way out of Gan Eden. On the way out of Gan Eden, we take on this quality that began to rumble at the heart of existence on the third day where there was a distinction between effort and goal, with a distinction between having something and not having something. Because from a Eden perspective, there's no distinction between having and not having. In a potential state of things, I am enough, the world is enough, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is enough. I do not need to move anywhere because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with me. I will sit here. I will sit here. The notion of being okay, the notion of being able to lean back and not run from anything, not run from oneself, not run from HaKadosh Baruch Baruchu, not run from the fears or the anxieties, but to turn and face reality and face Lur B'Neshleilim in our minds, in reality, and say, Hakadush Baruchu im Anikan hakolkan. I am here right now, and you are here with me, and I don't need to go anywhere. From that place of saturation of self, the only true desire is going to find more godliness, more mitzvos, maisios, more things to engage in. One need not be afraid that that will lead to inactivity. The okayness that we feel will always perpetually push us to do more, to reveal more, but with the comfort of knowing that I am far more than enough in spite of the fact that I haven't done everything. But until we're able to uncover that place, we live in a world of tocha lechem. We live in the, in the burden of effort. But what is the effort? What is the effort? Rashi and the Mephorshim, when explaining when explaining the nature of the toil, the need to move away from myself, the need to exert my energy, to clench my muscles and to allow the energy of my arm to express itself towards another thing for the sake of the objectification of some value, of making myself based on some externalization of myself, the opposite of manucha, the sharish of yigiyah, alienation from self, the not-enoughness that rests at the core of any act of labor, it is, rooted, it is rooted in putting in effort, investing effort, and then being disappointed with what comes about as a result of our effort. That we, in a world of post of Arishon, we're willing to put effort in. We're more than willing to put the effort in if we know that the effort is going to bear fruits because we fantasize about the fruit itself. We idealize the object. We idealize the, this mythological arrival point where we're going to arrive at, where everything is going to be okay. And we're willing to, to put in all of the labor for the sake of that moment. The individual is able to push themselves if we expect something. But when I expect something and then suddenly I'm disappointed, I planted a fruit tree and I find thorns and thistles. I plant something and the seed has to be destroyed in order to grow again the entire process of planting is a process of disappointment i find the seed an appointment of a seed and then the seed is murkav itself it 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 rots away a disappointment and then something new comes about it's the birthplace of amuna but it's also the birthplace of insanity koitzvidardar that other Marishon is going to plant, and we're going to put effort in, we're going to invest our efforts, and we're going to extend ourselves beyond ourselves, and we're going to say that it's all for the benefit of this arrival to arrive at that point, point. and then when the point of arrival comes, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not as we fantasize it to be. The The experience, the feeling, whether it be spiritual, emotional, psychological, in all levels of self, is never enough. We're always, on a certain level, disappointed. And the disappointment reflects then back on all of the effort and all of the labor we put in. And now it gets infected with a certain sense of wastefulness. I wasted my time. (laughs) The effort is meaningless. If the only purpose of effort is so that it arrives at the destination that I'm so desiring of or that I project, then if I don't arrive at the desired projected point, then it reflects back retroactively on the labor that I put in. And it shows that it was avoid the shove. It was meaningless labor. It was meaningless labor. It's what Paro tried to enslave the Jewish people with, that building Pisa and Veram and allowing them to be destroyed, meaningless labor, devoid of all things, meaninglessness, alienation from self, no production of anything valuable. And when the self is devoid of that self-sufficiency without production of value, then we're going to feel alienated further and further and further. And we're going to feel exiled from any place of being okay with who we are, which is the secret of Menucha. And this is the curse, this is the Klal of Adam HaRishon, the, this is what it means to be a human being. But we already know, and a person can look at all of the Meforshim on the Chumash, and look at these stories, and look at how the Torah is describing this, and see how all the Meforshim are utilizing languages that are so fundamentally relevant to the modern consciousness of this moment. But suffice it to say that based on the Meforshim, what we can understand is that, yes... The punishment of being an Adam, the punishment of that transgression is now being stuck in a place of labor, in the Aleph Yom and Chol, in those days of mundanity where I have to exert myself and I have to travel from place to place dragging myself, always searching for the next thing that is going to hopefully promise salvation, only to look elsewhere, only to lose it, only to feel empty that labor that building that building and breaking the breaking and the building the the buttoning and the upbuttoning all of the processes the closing and the opening all of the ins and the outs of day-to-day experience and the whole and the bia of the whole and the imagination of whole and the emotional experience of whole and the physical experience of whole and those bia of the whole in that three worlds of separation of mundanity where we find ourselves rooted and ripped away from manucha. it's specifically there that we're going to come to uncover the secret of calmness and it shouldn't come as a surprise because it's always like this. The Zidditch tells a story that his uncle, that, that, I'm sorry, the Kamarna tells a story that his uncle had a Talmud who would come to him and he would say to him, he says, Rebbe, why is it, why is it that when I come from a day of learning, when I come from a day of learning and studying in pnimius and Yechudim and Nigla and Nister, when I come to Davin Mincha, it's difficult for me. Davin Mincha is difficult. I don't have the Kavanos. But when I leave the shuk or when I come from the fair where I went to work and I come back after a day of labor and intensivity of traveling here and there for parnasa to bring my livelihood to myself, to finally come to a place of feeling that I'm enough because I didn't feel like I was enough beforehand, why is it that I can then begin to daven with the slavas? And as Rabbi explained to him that the taklas of a yid is not only to find Takadish Baruch and Kamness, but specifically in the place of labor, specifically in the world of separation where we have to go out beyond ourselves, searching, refining, building, taking product, developing product, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, whether it's an idea of product, whether it's an emotion, the effort and the labor and the movement and the pulsation between doing and 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 moving backwards and doing and moving backwards in the dual process of productivity, of koyach and poyel, of digging down deeper into myself to uncover more strength, to exert that strength on something outside of myself, to allow my strength to form itself into that external thing, to build it up, and then to retrieve back into myself to gain more. That back and forth, that back and forth of this experience of labor is ultimately the place where we're going to find the Rabbanish Lailam, because those are the birurim. That, the Zidush says, is where an individual comes in contact with themselves most specifically when we face the grappling between the value of the process which on a certain level in the moment itself feels devoid and removed from the goal. Living in a world of post the chait of the ground, the Tama Eitz and the Tama Pri are no longer unified and we live split between process and goal. And as long as I am in a stage of process that I see as disconnected from the goal, then I will never be satisfied and the goal will never be satisfying and the effort will then retroactively become dissatisfying. But if I live with the moichin, if I live with the mindset of Tamha ha'etzke, Tamha Pri, if I live with the recognition that the effort is not simply because I'm not enough internally, but the effort is so that I can reveal more and more of myself, that the secret of effort, the secret of labor, as the Leshem Shobo Haloma explains to us, based on what the Ramchal is being Mazbir, is the secret of self-becoming. It's the secret of encountering prevention within myself and overcoming that prevention, encountering a sense of meaningless and purposelessness within myself, which takes me out of Minucha, driving me outside of myself over and over, where I can then respond to it and find enoughness within myself. That this perpetual process of self-becoming, of extending outwards, retrieving back inwards to uncover more, to extend myself even farther, to make myself more than I already am, not because I'm not enough, but because I have an infinite power within myself, this secret of Yigiya, this secret of amelus, the secret of 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 intensification of the mind, whether it be by way of Torah or in the encounter with God, and the never-not-moving process of the heart and its emotional expressions in the mind and its thoughtful expressions of reality, That this back and forth, this never not stopping movement and process is the very place that we uncover the menucha of the goal. It's specifically in that place that we're capable of closing our eyes and stopping to look at all of the other options, all of the other things that demand our attention, all of the, the opportunities for productivity that will make me feel good enough, which takes me out of the moment itself. That secret of <laughs> means that you will eat with a small mindedness. You will always have eyes that are desirous of more, You'll <laughs> have like my softies used to say, hungry eyes that are always looking from a perspective of yearning and deficiency, which takes a person away from the moment but if i can uncover the secret of enoughness which is the secret of bahudur khahadayhu which is the secret of the derech itself, which is the secret of Yismach Lev Mavak Hashem, that the effort itself is the goal, and that yes, the the trees may have sinned, but it doesn't take away the baseline condition of what the essence of the Eitz is, and that on a certain level, I can gain access back to that place of living the process with the illumination of the goal itself and maintaining the illumination of the process within the experience of the goal itself, the secret of Yagiyah and Menucha Bevasachas, of running for the train, but realizing that I'm on the train already. Of encountering the two levels of keser, the externality of keser, which is the arach anpin, which is the never-not motivated movement towards self of becoming more and more an effort and effort and effort, and the world of Bizaya apecha Khalakham, But at the very same moment, to see ve'armanucha kitov, which is the level of atik yirmin, the tainu ha'amiti that rests at the heart of the individual. This is the balancing act. The balancing act is to become more of myself, to extend myself beyond myself, but not from a place of deficiency, but from the reality that every moment of existence where I am utilizing any element of effort, whether it be the effort of the mind, the heart, the desire, activity, I am becoming more of myself. I am revealing more of myself. I am utilizing the God-given protocols that I have, which are continuously and never not directly connected to the influx of divine vitality at every moment, giving me the ability to encounter a broken world that is the post-traumatic residue of a shvira sakaylim, to look at the world, to refine the world, to produce something beautiful out of the world, and to extend the presence of a Kaddosh reality a little bit further. Every step that I take, I'm being po'yel zayin. Kol makom sh'ani oleich, ani oleich er The Yegiyah itself is the secret. Lo v'lo the yearning will not be saturated, the yearning will not dry up, the yearning will always remain, because ultimately the yearning and the effort is as significant as the goal, because every ounce of effort, every ounce of yegiyasam mind, every ounce of effort in the mind and the heart and the soul is ultimately another opportunity for me to draw down the secret of manucha, and this is the secret of bzeasapecha of the effort of the six days of the week, where by refining, by engaging, by extending myself, by extending myself and feeling that I have to go and do and do, I can learn to live with Menucha at the heart of all of those things. That my week can become more Shabbistic when, yes, I have work to do. Yes, I need to be engaged in labor of a separation from myself so that I can take part of myself and extend it beyond myself and apply my strengths to some other object so that object can then go on and extend myself ad, ad infinitum. All of those nitukim, all of those alienations from self, in the end of the day, I can find menucha in there. I can find menucha. This is exactly where I'm going to find menucha. It's specifically in the process, in the Zen like process of using my hands, of being engaged in whatever behavior that I'm engaged in, but with the Hiskashas to the reality that Akadish Baruchu, you're here with me. There's nothing outside of the realm of Akadish Baruchu. Akadish Baruchu is the source of Manucha. And in a nearly impossible way, the Ramchal explains this exactly. We, we're, we're always living with the Ramchal and Adir Marom, especially when it comes to uncovering the human condition itself. But let's. Where I'm gonna. I'm gonna read the Ramchal in Adir Bamarom right now, and this is on page four hundred and fourteen. And I want to just read about what the Ramchal is describing as the human condition, and then we'll we'll take it even further. That now I'm going to explain to you the concept. Says Rav Moshe Chaim Shnehem. and both of their eyes were opened. Consciousness develops as a result of partaking of the Tree of Knowledge. And this is what the serpent had said to them beforehand that by partaking of the tree of knowledge, your mind, your eyes are going to be open. And this means that in the beginning, the human beings were almost like celestial beings because we always followed the source. We were always inherently connected to our source without any sense or any possibility that I need to deviate away from my source, I need to extend myself beyond what I am in order to become what I am supposed to be. Everything was created in its source as it is meant to be. And so aside from the mitzvos, aside from the commandments and the desire to grow out of a position of strength that were commanded upon the individual, there was nothing that the human being was meant to do at the core of the human condition. That there's a deep sense that continues to exist, as we said, that doesn't want to do anything that necessitates moving away from the source of what I am and who I am. In the secret of that is the place that the spirit will return back to, that each person has that place, that place of saturation where potential is actualized and I don't need to do more. And at that point, it was as if we were capable of walking with our eyes closed. We didn't need to look. We didn't need to look at the production of anything else. We didn't need to look at how others were viewing our production value. Because I relied on, on the fullness of existence. And in that place, it was that HaKadosh Baruch Hu placed them in Gan Eden. It wasn't a walking. It wasn't an effort. It wasn't a labor to build that place. It wasn't a city that was built. That starts with Kayan, as we're going to see next week. But rather, it was the secret of calmness. The soyd ha because they engaged and they lived and their entire existence was illuminated by a connection to the upper illumination that came to them each and every moment. They lived their lives as is. Each moment was what it was because they were attuned to it and they were ready to receive whatever it was that came their way. But when they descended from their original level... They now needed to pay attention to the things that were happening. We now became responsible to look and to judge and to gauge our production value, to see whether we're doing it right or wrong, to judge yes or no. And at that point, now we have to open our eyes and we have to pay attention. We have to be cautious because now there's a certain threat. It's the opposite of Menucha. And now we needed to always be on guard. <inaudible> ruminations, the mind is always perpetually circling. <inaudible> even when it comes to spiritual matters, there is a never-ending, non-stop, undulating process of ruminations that take place in the mind. And the reason for this is that even though, even though we didn't follow what Hashem wanted from us even though we weren't able to maintain that inherent connection to the source of all things, where we didn't have to open our eyes and we didn't have to move and we didn't have to extend ourselves beyond their source, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has still left a place for us in our mind. Hashem has still given us the option to enter back into that place. But nevertheless, as a result of the fact that our minds are perpetually in movement, we can't seem to get back there. That's the lahat from misapeches that we're going to encounter next week. The thing that keeps us out of Ganeiden. The perpetual, never-ending, never-ending process of the ruminations of the mind. lidog To think about, to contemplate, and to worry. To be anxious about things. And this is the process of the other side, the hither side of human experience. The darkness that conceals our ability to be okay. And the end matter, that we're always in a state of worry. That we always need to be guarding ourselves, ensuring that I have enough and that this other person is not taking from me. And from this posture, what emerges out of this, something else comes along, which is that I now need to go out and seek out my sustenance beyond myself. Labor. Labor. Which is the aspect of which is the that now I have to work with the sweat of my brow. Now I have to extend myself, perpetually rooted in a sense of not being enough. But this path, this path is the path the Ramchal says of <speaking> Adar <in Hebrew> Originally, we had an experience of calmness. And then the snake came and it created this process. And we lost that calmness. And now our mind is open to all of the busyness and all of the options. And now we conceive of the fact that it's through our effort and all of our investment that the goodness comes about. And now we have to force ourselves to engage in a process of finding the pleasure that we need. And yes, Adam was aware of the fact that it's specifically through this process that we come to know ourselves better. It's specifically through this descent into labor, into the world of effort in the mind, and the heart, in emotions and activity, where we extend ourselves beyond ourselves, never feeling like we're okay, but always remembering that we're okay after having not feeling that we're okay, and then bringing that feeling of not being okay back into the safe framework of being okay, and extending the territory of manucha, of finding the ha'ara velukus, specifically from the workplace itself, specifically in the busyness of life, specifically in the labor, specifically in the elongation and the duration of process that seems to be cut off from goal. Cut off from the goal. We wait, we wait. The goal exists outside of our minds. It's behesach adas Mashiach comes. What remains for us is the effort. What remains for us is the open-mindedness, the open eyes. The open eyes that the Ramchal describes, which is the human condition, but it's this open-eyedness. It's our ability to see, to look at the world that allows me to actually look at what's happening when I'm engaged in labor. What are my hands doing? How am I engaged? What is this process? Who am I? What am I? What is the object outside of me and how do I relate to it? Is all of my value dependent upon this thing or am I inherently valuable? And this thing is an extension of that value that I'm trying to impart upon the world. The building of the bridge, the Gesher Sarma, owed back to that place where the effort was endowed with the illumination of the gold, that Tikkun of the Chet of the Aretz, which is the secret of Tubishvat, which is the secret of Ha'adam Eitz Sadeh, that the individual through the contemplation of the true aspect of Menucha has the ability to find Menucha within Yugiya itself. And then when we apply this concept of the movement of the mind to the experience of Talmud Torah, that as Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai points out, as the Nefshahim points out very clearly, that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, that yes, a person is burdened, yes, a person is tasked with the opposite of Menucha in this world, but there is a way of investing, investing the experience of the opposite of Menucha, as a spiritual process, now existence itself is a limud. It's 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 an experience of learning Torah, and learning Torah is an experience of learning Torah. And there are two levels of learning Torah. There's the Torah of Ma'isa, and there's the Torah of Mahshava. The Torah of Makshava is learning the sugya of Shor Shenaga Chasapar. And as Rabbi Nachman says, the Torah of Maisa is encountering Shor Shana Both are fundamentally necessary. Both are fundamentally true in the minds of each and every individual, whether it's simply a perspectival shift, even when a person is sitting and learning Torah all day, there's the perspective of work and learning inherent within the Torah learning experience. And so too, when a person is engaged in labor itself, there's an aspect of learning Torah and labor within the labor experience. So like anything in spirituality, each and every option contains all possible options that give us the ability to taste everything wherever we're at. And when we learn to collapse the distance between those two, when we learn to allow ourselves to encounter the effort of experience as valuable, then we learn the secret of iyun, then we learn the secret of penetrating into the depths of reality. That it's specifically through the effort itself, it's the drilling down, it's the digging down, it's the amkusaseichel. It's the the machshava that is razor sharp, that is the ability to cut through stones, it has the ability to be precise in its orientation. And yes, these are severe things and it forces an intensity of the mind, as we know from Rav Chaim. Rav Chaim Brisker had to put his head into, into, into a bucket of ice or near a bucket of ice after he was learning a sugya, or it was the Beis Alevi, I forget who. But the mind moves, as the girl points out, the mind of Beis Shammai, which exists within each and every one of us, is perpetually cutting and building, cutting and building, cutting and building, sowing new connections. The mind of Beis Hila which is also operant within us, is the one that's trying to calm it down. But the mind is always at war with itself the Bina and the Chachma, the process, and the yegiya Satora, the Yigiya of the mind to try and understand Ratz Hashem to try and find that of Menucha, that Sikh Molisbol, which gives us a new understanding. V'yatsich kitov, we saw the Menucha is good. V'aretz Kina Amma, Molisbol, so it's not only that, okay, manucha is something good, so I'm going to have to work for it, but it's specifically in working for it that I'm going to uncover manucha. It's specifically in the hole itself that I can uncover Shabbos. It's specifically in the Yoman of Chol, in the Bria, Yitzira, and of Chol that I can uncover the light of Atzilas. And when I encounter the light of Menucha there, everywhere I walk is exactly where I am. Everything I'm doing is just building for HaKadosh Baruch I could dig a well, someone could come and cover that well over again, and I'm not going to blink an eye. That's the light of Yitzchak the, the person who puts effort in, the intensification of strength, the overcoming of self. Yitzchak was perpetually overcoming himself, revealing more and more of himself. But it was not about the effort, it was not about the goal at all. There was no goal. If the goal got swallowed up, okay, I go in more. The effort is the goal. Whatever I have to do right now is the goal. That's Kiddush Shemayim, wherever I am, this production, this building, this revelation of self from within the Shorash, which is a tinua, which is the opposite of calmness, is ultimately to extend the presence of calmness in my life. It's ultimately to bring me back to that place of Menucha. It's ultimately to taste my world and my days, where I can be engaged in the six days of the week in the mundanity of the week, and I can literally walk like a Ben Oilem I can live with the river that flows forth from eating, irrigating my mind. I can live with my Chachma, that allows me to pause in reality, to walk a little bit slower, and to look at the situation from a lens of wholeness, from a lens of unity, from a lens of goodness, from an orientation towards uncovering the positivity that is at the fabric of each and every experience. And then I can pause a little bit longer and I can enter into the severity of concepts. I can enter into the categorization of the parts that comprise this particular experience. And I can open my mind up to the vulnerability of seeing what's not perfect about this experience. And I can tolerate the opposition. All of this is happening in rapid fire speed when a person practices it. In fact, all a person has to do, like we said, is learn to quiet down the mind a little bit, which we're going to get to, Bezras Sashem. of saying, sha, sha, the secret of how Kayan is going to find comfort. And a person has the ability of then coming to a place of In accordance with my mind, heart, and experience, in my own conjecture of my relationship with God, in relation to my micro and macro systems that have formed me as I am and the choices that I've made, I can then be makasha myself to das in the mind, I can connect my idea to reality itself, and then I'm a different experience, my mind is no longer separate from reality. My shayresh, my machshava, is no longer severed from the encounter that I have with labor, but rather the labor is endowed with mindfulness. There's a Zen-like quality to it, lahavdil. There's a, a presence in what I'm doing. The secret of chanoich toifer na haya. The secret of Chanukh, who was miachid yuchudim with each and every stitch of the shoe that he made. Miachid And what Rav Dessler says, and based on the leshem, and what all of the tzaddikim say, is that don't think for a second that Chanukh was sitting there contemplating the names of Akadish Baruch Hu and not engaged in his work. Yes, Avada, that's what the Tzadikim are doing. Avada, that's what they're doing. But at, at, at the action-based level, he was doing shoes. It was the shoes themselves. It was the shoes themselves and the stitching of the shoes. The stitching of the shoe itself, the labor itself, the connection, the disconnection, the connection, the disconnection, the tearing and the sewing, the tearing and the sewing. The nituk and the hischabris, the nituk and the hischabris, the koyach and the poyal, the koyach and the poyal. The sha'ashua, the presence inwards and outwards, that encounter with the changes, with the shifts that orient me to need to change and and be more, be less in the next moment. That is the yichid itself. The yichid itself is the avoida is the yagiya. Wherever a person is, a person has to be miyageya in this world. This is both the condition of reality as a result of the chayt of the eights, and it's a condition of human experience as a a result of chayt of adam. But ultimately, it's specifically from within this place that we become ourselves. As Lashem says, When I become myself, when I put effort in to become the product of my own effort, there's no greater unity than that. Because it's my own kolchos developing further kolchos of my own. And the only way to mimic the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who creates himself, Kav Yachol, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Muchuy of HaMetsiyas who chose to create himself in a revealed way, so to speak. That without that choice, that katzalik there was no need for a kaddish Hu to reveal himself. A kaddish Hu could have been or not been. It makes absolutely no difference, even to the limited conception that we have of a kaddish Hu. But a kaddish baruchu chose kavyachu to reveal himself the same way that the human being is tasked with revealing ourselves. The bacharta bachayim, is the utilization of the sum total of my energy and my efforts to make the next right choice, to make the next decision that is going to produce more kavoyt shemaim. And when I produce myself, when I allow myself to become more than I am through overcoming the limitations of my own mind and allowing my own mind to beat my own mind, the intensification of self, as the Rebbe Rashab describes, which leads to the speed at which labor takes place and the productivity. And specifically there that we touch the deepest unity, the impossible unity of the person becoming more of themselves at the very same moment. The secret of mineu the secret of undoing the tzimtzum, the secret of finding myself in the process itself, and finding manucha in the opposite of manucha, of encountering a world of chanuch, toifer na'alayim hayan, of learning what it means to leave Mitzrayim and entering back into the desert. The whole fear, the whole fear about leaving Mitzrayim and leaving the desert, Be'ezrus Hashem, is, is ultimately a fear of needing to put that effort in. A terror at the face of effort, but with the wisdom of understanding that the effort is the goal itself, and within every ounce of expression of koyach, I can encounter the koyach amiti of a kadosh baruch hu and koyach masav higdliyamul atitel to give us the light of Eretz Yisrael, which is the secret of the whole shani rakal Then I can uncover the secret of the menucha within the yigiyah itself, and then sham yenucha yigiyah koyach. On Shabbos, it's not that we're not Yigiei kayach. we're Avada Yigiei but we uncover the light of the Menucha at the heart of Yigiei kayach. And when we encounter the the worlds of separation of the weekday, which we encounter every moment of our lives, what we need to try and un- uncover is the light of Shabbos that exists there, the light of calmness, the light of Menucha kitov. the light of the calmness that is operant at the heart of the Avodah that a person is engaged in. Wherever I am is where I am. And I can find whatever I need right here, right now, whether it be uh, something that I have to type for work, whether it be something that I have to take care of a task, whatever it is contains the sum total of the cosmos. It contains the sum total of all of the worlds, of Adam Kadman, of Atsilas, of Bri Yitzira Nasiyah, of Ashvira and broken pieces that need to be refined and elevated back up through the mindset of my habituated nature, and then through my emotional capacity, and then through my mind, and back up through my desire, back up to my comprehension of a Baruch who draw it back down and refine this particular experience, refine this particular actin of eating. Eating is ultimately where this all truly comes out. As we see in the Mice of, of Adam Marishon. it's all about eating, as Rav says, because eating is just a, the clearest example of the process of labor, the effort of breaking something down, of transitioning it from some state that it was to a new state of things, to allow it to go through the equal process, the, the process of the digestion, which now leads to surplus, waste, and it also leads to production value, etc. That eating becomes a fundamental place that a person can truly encounter that menucha. And Ba'ezr's Hashem, when we're able to draw that menucha intact, activity, when we're able to find that wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I have the ability to draw Menuchah kitov into it. I can be like alayim Haya, Every moment demands and calls for us to be Miachid Yichudim. when we could be Miachid between the effort and the goal, and allow the distance between the effort and the goal to be made invisible, because the Tzimtzum Inakib and the effort is the goal, ultimately will come to encounter a life of Menuchah, and we'll be able to taste from the etzachayim prior to the revelation of Gan Eden, and we'll be able to know what who is going to reveal. We'll be able to taste and live with that mindset of Gan Eden and ultimately to bring us back to the true Gan Eden The music is by Zusha. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.